What's going on, y'all? Welcome to another episode of Shadowcast. You know what time it is. We've been talking about this for a long time, and now it's time to come true on a promise we made so long ago. Yeah. I'm so hyped, I'm starting to be so verbose. You already know who it is. I am the host with the most, Neddy Monetto. And I am Frisbee Moonsong, and with us we have... Uh, Jesse Cotton. Yeah. <laughs> Mr. Jesse Cotton in the house, and we're here to talk about the Yu-Gi-Oh! TCG, baby. Yeah, so welcome, Jesse. We really appreciate having you here. This has been like a long, long time coming. Um, yeah, what were, you, what were your, the first thoughts when we contacted you? Because, you, you know, we heard about the, the you listening to us on the plane and stuff. So what was going through your mind? Uh, I mean, honestly, there's a lot of surprise there was even a community in South Africa. Because <laughs> you're from uh, here, right? I was born there, but I left extremely young, so uh, I never really lived there. I've been back to visit maybe six or seven times. Yeah. Uh, so I've been there like a bunch. So we can we can still but claim never you really live like there. A, we can still claim you as yeah, a South Robert, African player. Robert's been on a mission <laughs> to try and like recruit you into a South African team of sorts. Yeah. <laughs> I I do still have my citizenship for South Africa. Oh, let's go. There we go. You see, <laughs> so it counts, guys. It counts. Jesse's one of us. <laughs> <laughs> like I said from the beginning. But yeah, we've got a list of questions for you, obviously. Yes. And at the end of the show, we've got some interesting <laughs> things as well for you. Yeah, we've also been um, curating some fan questions as well. Yeah, so uh, we would like to start with, um, first of all, congrats on your win for MBT's uh, Master Door Circuit. Whoop, whoop. I got uh, to, thank you. Yeah, I got to watch a couple of your games. It was really sick. How did it feel playing Tier again? Because I missed Tier Format, dude. <laughs> I miss it. Yeah, like, by the end of Tier Format and the TCG, I was a little fatigued with it, and I was ready for something different. But after not enjoying the TCG for the, for the months since then, yeah, it, it, it did feel nice to go back to Tiers. Yeah. And now I'm uh, happy again. It's kind of like a, a refresher, almost. Yeah. And it's also in a more comfortable space, because I don't think it's as oppressive as it was in uh, like it is oppressive in master door but because of the non best of three i think it can steal some losses as well yeah but i think most of the losses end up coming from just random consistency nonsense and <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> so from the tier perspective that's frustrating to like lose the best of one like oh wow the five percent of games i bricked was now so i'll just uh <laughs> Take my loss on the, yeah. on the head, I guess. Like, I mean, it happens. <laughs> yeah. So, where did you um, where did you start like your Yu-Gi-Oh journey? I have been playing for a really long time. I started in kindergarten, so I can't remember the school system is different there. I don't remember what your guys is exactly, but it was when I was yeah. five. Mm. Um, by no means is that the same to what uh same like degree of playing as i was yeah. as i am now yeah, of course <laughs> that was like very casual and it was like that for a very long time is that like when you use the first ycs monster? was locally in toronto in 2011 and then it like slowly ramped up from there Ooh, more and more crazy. all right yeah, and it toronto just like ICS, snowballed from there yeah <laughs> yeah it was a bit of a gradual uh, increase in amount of play but eventually it started like driving to events then flying to ones in north america uh, and then when i was old enough to start traveling by myself like properly oh, and i started seeing better results i traveled abroad more nice that's crazy like that's that's always one of the things i've been like so amazed to see is that you go from 
YCS in, in Panama to YCS in London to YCS in, in wherever. And I'm like, I'm always like, that must be so crazy. Like you get to travel the world and at the end of the day, it's all for shiny cardboard. You know, that's, that's so amazing. It, it's incredible. Yeah. I mean, the travel is one of the best parts about the game. I, and I would not trade that. Yeah, we would... take advantage of the travel to try and spend little extra days at, a, <laughs> at the, uh, the country, not just play the event and leave. Yeah, I wouldn't trade it for sure. Come on, what's <laughs> one day? Could one day is one. Day. Uh, I, uh, I'm doubtful that would happen, but I would be there probably. Yeah, let's go. <laughs> so yeah. So, uh, what was your favorite format and why? My favorite format, um, so I think that would most likely just correspond with my favorite deck, which was like this Danger Thunder Dragon Snow deck I played. Oh. At YCS that. Sydney in 2019. That was insane. That was wild. Um, I was... sadly only figured out that deck right at the end of the format, but um, that small little period once I'd figured that deck out and before the banlist dropped to destroy that deck. Yeah, was, uh, that just was a ton of fun for me. Colossus got hit? Uh, no, this was. So the, this was like two weeks before Snow got banned for the first oh, time. Yes, uh, yeah. Brilliant Fusion got banned. Uh, Gold Shark went to one. So uh, Grinder Golem got banned. Yeah. Oh my word! I remember those days. Yeah, that was that was actually a fun format. I think I was playing Altergeist in that format, so I still remember <laughs> that. Um, so we know, like, from your deck building, especially like this sort of Thunder Dragon mishmash you've done, um, you are like a master deck builder from yes. what we've seen, and also like your the way you play at your tournaments. Like we've seen, you see lines that other people can't. So mm. what is your like your process and your thoughts and thought patterns i guess when it comes to building these decks there's not really an easy way to explain it obviously otherwise i could have <laughs> done so maybe in a video for myself <laughs> yeah. it's of course a complex process mm. um i think a lot of it is just trying to understand something and like breaking it down as far as possible and to understand each element once you have a good understanding of why like something works or it's good, you can use that to make decisions properly um, and with like reason. And this happens for like when you're dueling as well. Um, like, why would you win a normal game in the tier mirror? Maybe because of dweller, but then break it down. So why is dweller so good? And then if your opponent dwellers you and you beat them, why did that happen? You, and uh, you just kind of backwards deduce what what elements exactly led to the victory, and then. You can use those to figure out a new way to win in other game states in the future. And I mean, that, that's that's simplifying it a lot, but and a lot of that requires experience and being used to it. Yeah, it's kind of like yeah. deconstructing, like almost like building it yeah. backwards. In yeah. A way. You know, you take what you see and then you reverse it and then mm. see that can yeah. help you make your decisions. Yeah, it's like first you got to throw it at the wall a couple times <laughs> and then, <laughs> yeah, and then eventually it stops breaking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and a lot of people like to credit me with like this crazy innovative deck building, but truthfully, there are many times in a brand new format where I don't have the best idea. Mm -hmm. and, but after one single event in the format, I can see other people's ideas put into action and then how the tournament plays out and then backwards all off there to really get a good grasp on the meta. And I feel like mm -hmm. that happens a lot and it's something that it's more, like, it's less noticeable, but that's where I have an immense amount of skill. And people don't really notice it because it's, just, it's not something as flashy as coming up with a deck from scratch. 
Yeah, it, mm. it, it, we all, then, like, yeah. I feel like that's what a lot of people do, especially, I think, when it comes to a new format, a lot of people wait for that first big event. Yes. Because not many people know what people are going to decide to play mm. or, you know, what people are going to decide to do. And, and it's also the time where we really get to see that meta deck that's at, that you know, like, whether it's Tears, Kashtera, etc. Yeah. That's where we really get to see it shine through all the different, like, techniques in which people include that as well. Mm. All right, so my my next question for you um, is, what's been your biggest challenge so far in your Yu-Gi-Oh career? My biggest challenge is, is probably something that like, well, so I think there's, there's a couple, right? And it depends on where I am in my life, almost. Mm. So I, I don't know if there's just one, perhaps, that has stood out as the biggest. Um, I think my biggest right now, though, is finding motivation to keep playing and pushing myself. And especially in formats where I'm not as enthused by playing. Yes. You think you have like yeah, a I mean, format? This is up there. And then like last, um, early half of last year was also um, particularly unenjoyable for me. So. Oh, uh, yeah. That, yeah. The, those, I, for yeah. Me, I find the Kashtira lockout like very unenjoyable. Like, the Kashtira lockout is just... <laughs> but I know you still can win it with, like, Nibiru, but I think this format has very much become a thing of um, what... Uh, you don't always win by, like, the skilled matchups. You usually win because a card is a card. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, you can't... It, it's, it is... <laughs> Not interesting for me, at least. And <laughs> yeah, I, I've been pretty open with that on, on stream. Yeah. I think for me as well, what's interesting is that you're, you are both, um, both Frisbee Moonsong and you, Jesse, you are both very interested in, in the tier format, mm. which for me, um, I'm, I'm still a new player coming into this. And for me, tier format was insufferable. Like, I, I couldn't take it. I was completely overwhelmed. <laughs> <laughs> I love the, the complexity behind it, but like, it, it is, I understand why people don't like it, and that's why I wasn't angry to see it go, because I knew it wasn't sustainable for a long period of time, and it yeah. wasn't for everybody. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm not like some people who will insist it's the best thing ever and it has to exist, yeah. mm. but, if but you I did enjoy it, it. If you were playing in it, it was so much fun and so interesting and like took so much thought process. Yeah. It required you to invest a lot more time into learning it than any other format, because you couldn't just play your same old deck. You had to play tiers, otherwise you were playing at a huge disadvantage. And then learning that deck over learning another deck had a steeper learning curve at first than, you know, playing something simply like Sword Soul. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. I mean, like, now considering that tier format is over, I guess it... I mean, at that time, it was very much a skilled matchup. At the same time, it was like a deck matchup. But I think... Um, at the same time, there's also this, you can clearly see there's this like level of like pro players and new players, right? And there's quite like a gap between. Yeah. And I think in our country, we've seen it. And I think we do sometimes see it in your country uh, and in a lot of like the US YCSs and even YCSs in Europe. And I think what, are there any like tips or advice that you could give to um, pro players and new players probably separately, you know, because obviously I don't think you can give the same advice to the new players as you would give to the pro players. Yeah. Sure. So I think the newer players can probably get advice from a lot of different places and they have way more to focus on. True. 
a lot of it is putting yourself in the uh, more competitive environment and just uh, start absorbing information uh, and just learn, right? Um, yeah. Practice pay, uh, and be in that spot as much as you can, right? The more time you spend doing with people who are better than you, the more you'll pick up on. And everyone will learn at different paces, so it depends for each person. Mm. Um, that's the biggest thing. And you don't want to. I don't suggest rushing straight away to try and get into the topic, because uh, it may become too daunting or overwhelming to learn everything at once, or things may not click the same way. Yeah, that's, that's true. Terrifying for the new players. <laughs> yeah. I've seen it first. Time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it's 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 terrifying. <laughs> can I can confirm? <laughs> yeah. And for players trying to take it to the next level the biggest one that i really can't believe is so like commonplace among people is that they're so stubborn with their ideas they don't accept the fact they could be wrong and i mean this is good advice for for anybody but be open to the fact that you could be wrong or that someone has better advice they know more than you and be willing to learn and try uh, even if they're not a good player, they may just have a good idea that you can then learn from and incorporate your own way. 100%. Many times I've seen a crazy combo from a player who is not the best, but they did have a good idea nonetheless, and I could you know, build upon that myself. Um, so people get arrogant and don't accept that anybody could be better than them or uh, have an idea that uh, is good or that their idea is wrong. Um, so just don't be rigid. And be willing to accept you're wrong or that somebody else is right. Yeah. Mm. Um, there's one thing I would like to ask before we get into the questions about the social media and stuff. There's the one thing I want to ask about. Um, I know, like, obviously there's a lot of players who have a lot of, I don't know if the word is clout or just really famous. Following, you could say. <laughs> they have, yeah, they're like, Following. within within our global Yu-Gi-Oh community, there are yeah, some it's like the, more important uh, than others. <laughs> Do you think there yeah, are it's, it's the niche fame. Yeah, the yeah. Niche fame. Do you think there are like good famous? We call it. <laughs> Do you think there are like a couple other underhanded players that are probably in like other countries and stuff that could still match up? Because there's been a lot of um, discussion, especially here in South Africa, about whether players over here would be able to match with like some of the top players in Europe or in America or things like that. It is possible. But it's also hard for me to judge because I have not seen anybody play there. Um, the, the inherent disadvantage is players like myself or other Americans and, and Europeans who travel a lot is they just rack up experience way faster. And um, it's like any civilization that the trades with each other. You must know, the trade of knowledge and information and resources between the players that are more connected like that gets them up to speed and better faster. So I'm inclined to say there's a less likely chance they'd keep up with uh, the more well-known, like really strong players in the North American Europe. Yeah. However, it's not impossible, right? Because I don't know if the community here or in, in South Africa has kept up to the same degree. They very well could have. Uh, it just would have been more of an obstacle to over, overcome. 
I think we do kind of have like a lot of the same uh, things. I mean, in some ways, yes. At our best, at our best, we do have an element of that. Yeah. Um, there is like there's strong trade, there's strong discussion, yeah. and there's strong interaction. Though at our worst, it's like we are dilapid. <laughs> we are like little dilapidated <laughs> Yu-Gi-Oh villages. You, you'll get the worst in any any country, though. So I mean, that almost doesn't matter. True. Yeah. yeah. True. <laughs> I mean, I mean, one of our one of our own has already just gone to Canada. Yeah. So I guess we can kind of get feedback from him that side. You know, figuring Indeed. out. How how we fare? <laughs> yeah, you know, we'll, we'll we'll have him send us through some tips, yeah. <laughs> and see if we can like, strengthen the community. <laughs> yeah. The other thing is with with Canada, U.S., Europe is those are big places. True, there are regions within each of those con- each of these like countries or continents that are weak in comparison to others. Yeah. So, like, if you go somewhere in Canada and it's not one of the big cities, like if you're not in, um. A big city in, in Quebec or Ontario, you're probably not facing the elite elite players. Yeah, mm, yeah, and even yeah, within them, like sometimes you're not. But surely for the US as well, like I'm sure any Yu-Gi-Oh player in Utah oh, of course. is like kicking themselves every day. You know <laughs> what I mean? Like I think that's also um, one of the reasons why Konami releasing things like uh, Duel Links Master Duel is a great help as, as well to fostering a community and not just mm-hmm. like within Absolutely. these like respective um, um, nations, just like as a whole, like as a global Yu-Gi-Oh community, I think Master Duel has done a lot. You've had a lot of success on Master Duel as well. Um, and I, re- I just realized there's actually no question attached to the sentence. <laughs> <laughs> you had a train of there's thought. No I had a train of thought and it's gone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Alright, I'll continue then because I think I think I knew where kind of where this is going. But yeah, I mean, it, we were on the topic of like of the quality of players in these more isolated areas, yeah. and, the, and Master Duel helps that a lot, right? It gives them the ability to play and and compete with the the level of players mm. who yeah. do have access to um, big tournaments, mm. and then also gives them a chance to shine, like they can prove themselves where they don't have to travel now hours away because. There's obviously log- logistical and financial restrictions for people to travel. Um, that stops every single, that stops it from being a, a full-on 100% test of uh, skill at these events. Because, you know, not every good player is going to be there. Even if they uh, yeah. are from that country, they could just maybe be busy. Could be uh, not have the money to travel, you know. Yeah. Mastodal does kind of alleviate some of these barriers. Because there's been a lot of people in South Africa who would love to actually like travel, and also it, it's it is even, so expensive. Yeah, yeah we've crazy even expensive. been like kind of hard done by, um, by a lot of the things because we've had nationals here before. Like for example, um, I won the nationals last year. Yes, and um, they, they did not give us a flight to, uh, to Europe. Granted, it was in the I'm, middle of the COVID pandemic, I, yeah. but. I'm also just very confused why they don't put you guys in Oceanics. Yeah. They, they, yeah, that too. You're closer, and I, at least when I, like, from from my own side of the family, I feel like so many more uh, South Africans interchange with Australians in terms of emigration and immigration that it, it makes more sense, but... Yeah. Than, than Europe, but... Mm. You actually raise a very good point there. I think it might just also be because of the colonial history of South Africa. Since, you know... Yeah, a lot of our laws. We could say the same with Oceania then at that point. Like, or even Canada was a British colony at the same time. So it's, we're not part of Euros. I, I, it shouldn't, shouldn't have to have any colonial ties. Mm, good point. Yeah, 
it's it's really tough, and it kind of gets frustrating for us as players. Oh yeah, it gets we, it gets I'm sure. like yeah. oh we get the opportunity, and as it is, obviously we're not like one one of the most wealthiest countries in the world. So for people here to mm-hmm. travel, it's a lot, and we don't get because I'm I know in like the USA and Canada and Europe, you guys sometimes get sponsors for these things. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's still limits to what they'll do, right? So, like, I had to fly to other... Well, I didn't have to, but I flew to Australia for an event. Mm-hmm. And there's no way my, expect, my sponsor would cover all that. I didn't expect them to. Yeah. Because my flight was, uh, like, 3,000 Canadian, which... It, it was just an extreme, extremely amount of money. Yeah. yeah. But I really <laughs> wanted to go, and I wanted to spend, like, two weeks there uh, for a vacation. Oh, so, I, I decided to do it. But, <laughs> like, there's a limit to what sponsors can do. Uh, in general, traveling within North America, though, is not that expensive in comparison. And you guys are very isolated. Like, I have to imagine any flights to a YCS for you guys would uh, have to cost around a thousand US dollars. Yeah, yeah, yeah at, like, least, at least. Like, that's yeah. a good place to start. Yeah. <laughs> that's excluding, like, a it depends comment. on where. I know, like, Amsterdam is like, cheaper for you guys typically. So, yeah. Like, Utrecht might be more doable for WCQ, but it's still expensive. The yeah. last places we got shipped to were actually um, were Berlin, Germany. So that's where we went to for, like, it was in, back in, like, 2019, that sort of time. Yeah. That was where our players got sent to. Mm. Um, but I think after the COVID pandemic, it kind of stopped for a while. And apparently it is coming back this year, the flight. So we're hoping to get it back, but we'll see. Yeah, well, let's see how everything goes. All right. Our next question for you is, what made you start your own YouTube channel, and what do you hope to achieve through it? <laughs> um, so, I mean, there's two reasons, and I mean, the one is, is obviously the most blunt, and that's um, financial. Mm, yes. uh, I'm not going to hide it. Like, I do want to support myself financially, and I have to right. be able to, if I want to put time into it. Yeah. Uh, I, wouldn't have, I wouldn't have started this if I didn't think I could, you know, live off it to some degree. Because, I mean, I do work right now. If it's just selling cards, and it's self-employment, but I have other stuff I could be doing. Yeah. However, selling cards is boring. I spend ha- almost my entire day opening packs, sorting, shipping. Uh, it's not fun. No. It's very tedious. So, and the uh, if, if... Oh, God. Yeah, it, it's, 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 a, it's a lot. So if I can avoid doing that, um, I happily would. Uh, and then I, I can also be more creative and... Um, I guess for lack of a better word, artistic. And it's been hard because why not for YouTube people enjoy the, the very simple combo videos, which I should be happy with because those are the easiest ones for me to make. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Cause they're theoretically right up my alley and uh, I can produce them very fast. So, and they make the most money because that's what people like the most, but it's trying more creative stuff, dual series like the other YouTubers do uh, is what I'd like to do. It's like, just be creative and show the creative side of Yu-Gi-Oh that I feel like, isn't showcased enough on YouTube, and something the pro players actually do because we like to kill time playing Yu-Gi-Oh, just yeah. not yeah. meta. Yeah, but it's not on YouTube. Other, so. Yeah, um, I think that is something I'd like to see for sure. Yeah, I I think that's also, and I can definitely say from like a viewer's perspective, as somebody who who has who does view your channel, who does view other channels, and also as as creators ourselves, um, Robert. You know, we when when it comes down to the crux of this, I think our our best our, our like our best time creating content for Yu-Gi-Oh! I think is when it's just when it's just for fun. Yeah, I think there it the the tournament section of Yu-Gi-Oh! gets very in its in in its head you know what i mean like it's all about 
uh, you need to have this. If you don't have this, don't even bother playing. Uh, <laughs> if you're not going to resolve this effect from, uh, in turn two, like, uh, then you're going to lose the game. And we, we get so... We we get so attached to the to the part of this that is so like left brain and logical and yeah. and so not fun at all that to have these these um different online resources that remind you that this is this is just a game yeah this is something that can be done for fun this is not something that has to simultaneously depress you and make you bankrupt. <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> I, I I I actually enjoy the logical part. I'm I'm very nerdy, so for me, the puzzles and the and the dissemination of everything yeah. is enjoyable. Uh, and part of why the the casual formats are fun, especially if you make them complicated, is that there is fresh perspectives you have to take and you have yes. to approach it differently. It is the intellect. But, of but like, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. No, continue. You're good. Uh, it, yeah. it is the intellect of like finding that like one random card that's out of nowhere. <laughs> yeah. That suddenly works in this combo. Mushroom Man Two. <laughs> <laughs> I I always come back to Mushroom Man Two because I'm like that was the wildest thing, the wildest thing to me. What was it? It was an OCG against Cash. Hey. Yeah. <laughs> that was wild. <laughs> um, but yeah, it is the intellectual creativity. I think we all really really enjoy about yeah. it. And you know, just being able to figure out what's that next step, mm. and how to, how do I break? I think that's the funnest thing. I don't know if you can agree, Jesse, but trying to break someone's board is like the most exciting thing ever. Yeah, we we kind of go crazy for for board board breaking <laughs> ability here. It, it, it kind of uh, it's it's our Red Bull. <laughs> it keeps us up at night. We're like, how can I break this board as fast as possible? It, it's almost like playing a puzzle. Um, yeah. I don't. I don't know if I'd call it my favorite thing, but it is uh, interesting for sure. Um, and it feels good to come back from a game where your opponent definitely have the advantage and you're able to push yeah. through that and still get the victory. I think that was what what made Tears fun as well, because that swing back was always so strong. Mm. Um, it, always, it almost always felt doable there, yeah. Yeah. So this is this is going to be a bit of a spicy question. <laughs> <laughs> And I think you're going to kind of get a kick out of it. So, there's been a video online um, for quite a long time now. <laughs> and I'm sure you have been asked many times about it. Um, oh my god, this is what the FGK are kid. <laughs> How much have you suffered from people asking you? Like, I, I saw that question. I saw that question, Jesse, and I was like, I'm not asking that one. You're asking that one. <laughs> <laughs> that's good i mean half the time when i'm like grumpy about it in quotation marks online i'm playing along with the joke i'm i'm chill about it don't worry <laughs> so like what uh but the thing is in Yu-Gi-Oh though we have to actually have those moments where you get paired up against like it'll be round one mm. and you get paired against the new kid and it's like a competitive event like a regional i mean yeah time to go to school and it's like you know it's, how, how it's a ycs event yeah yeah, yeah. It is what it is. If you can't stand the heat, you know. <laughs> uh, Kyle Chop producer right now. He's he's doing the uh, the Israel Adesanya bow and arrow. <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> it's like yeah, it's game over, dude. So like, there's a, yeah? a a little more behind that though. Um, I try not to judge people on their age because I was a dragon duelist, and I know those yeah. kids can be like decent, yeah. even if they're not extreme top caliber they can know what they're doing better than most adults true yeah. so to dismiss somebody immediately uh, would be arrogant of me on their age and be, could be a quick way to lose yeah. 
Mm. So I didn't want to just go easy on them, assuming. Uh, and like, there's something summer happened to me, and it's crazy that it's not talked about. So when I was 12, I played a future match versus Patrick Hoban, and he OTKs me twice. Oh my word! Yes. I wasn't even that. I wasn't even bad back then. I was 7-0 at the YCS at the time. Oof. Um, <laughs> and you're still a newbie. Or new to no. the scene. At least. I wasn't even that bad. I was still okay. But the point is, like, I was 12. So. Uh, yeah. Like, you, you shouldn't just go easy on kids. I don't blame them for destroying me. Yeah. Like, that, and, and I it's, mean, it's, yeah, I guess, I guess you're, also all the be- you're all the better for it as well, I guess, in the end. Yeah. It's kind of like, you gotta show respect to your opponent, and I feel like if you had to go easy on them, that's like not showing respect. It's not them. showing respect at all, no. It is, yeah, that, that's, that is actually another point, yeah. yeah. People like to say, I'll show you mercy. I'm like, don't show me mercy, man. Just that, That's more respectful of anything if you have to give me another turn. Like, just just win like it's a game i won't feel bad like even like when i've been i've been teaching um because i started uh neto up and i started a couple people yeah like getting into the game yes and even when they've faced me in tournaments they know yeah i've i've you you've always said that you don't take (laughs) it easy on any of like your little your little your little um (laughs) what do i call (laughs) what do i call ourselves your little protégés your little disciples (laughs) (laughs) um uh, i guess you're crowler and i'm (laughs) jaden No, please not crawler. crawler. <laughs> you can be crawler or Chaz. That's it. Oh God. That's not the greatest choices. Can I be like the teacher with the cat? Crawler or Chaz. <laughs> that's it. Um, I think you you always. I mean, tell if us, he's Chaz. What are you? Are you the Ojamas then? Like. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Ojama Chaz. <laughs> Ojama Chaz. <laughs> I am the Chaz. Um, <laughs> I think um, yeah, like you, uh, Robert's always been very uh, on the ball with us. He doesn't he doesn't give us any room to breathe he always keeps us on our toes giving us new ideas new perspectives on just today um robert dropped something on me that completely blew my mind and i and i realized i was my my approach to this game is is completely it needs it needs complete um rethinking um and i think yeah i think this maybe that could even be like the slogan for the Yu-Gi-Oh community mm. Yu-Gi-Oh pressure makes diamonds <laughs> <laughs> pressure makes diamonds do you, would you say you've got any protégés in like the the field of Yu-Gi-Oh I haven't in a long time I used to but um and the, well it's weird I don't know if I've ever had a full on protégé but um, when I was a lot more active in the scene, you'd have local players, you'd see more often, and, um, I'm pretty, uh, I guess, what's the word? I'm pretty, like, carefree, no, I don't know the word, but I'm pretty easy giving people advice, like, I'll give them advice if they ask, yeah. uh, at locals, if they, if they want to know what they did wrong, and yeah. I don't go to locals as much anymore, just because I feel like everything I do is Yu-Gi-Oh, and I always want to just, I don't really want to go to locals that often anymore. But mm, yeah. in that period when I did, and I was a lot more active and more motivated, um, I would help get these better players up, and the community would grow as a result, and it would get help me get better as well. But I'd start seeing other players. That's why, like, uh, oftentimes you see certain city states in um, at least North America pick up speed where they all start doing better at once because they build each other up. So, like, mm. I. I'm not solely responsible for this, but in Toronto, as I started getting better, people like Gabriel Vargas, Ryan Yu, um, John Milk, and others as well in Toronto started doing well because Toronto's a scene built its each other up, and we all got 
good together. Yeah, I mm. think that's what we do the same thing here at yeah. Joburg from what I've seen. Yeah, Is like, because we, we saw when Robert was on his rise, uh, we also had, like, um, that whole team. You know, we had Pranesh, we had we had um, Jasha, we had, like, well, I mean, I think Jasha has more time on both of you. Uh, I think so. I yeah. think out of all of them, I probably have the least amount of time. Yeah, pro- out of, yeah I'd say, you're, yeah. But, like, your, your rise was very... Um, directly proportional to theirs oh my God. My, <laughs> it took some time because i i only started what 2016 yeah <laughs> i started jesse i started in zoo format <laughs> <laughs> like that's the wildest thing but anyway we're gonna it's we've already reached oh yes yeah uh, we're at the halfway point sorry that's that's my job um <laughs> <laughs> um all right guys we're gonna we're gonna head off to our break now for our patreon listeners you know what's coming next and yes jesse is staying on board for everybody else uh buy everything we tell you to buy and we'll see you after this break <laughs> so- are you tired of being stuck in the same place do you want to get paid to travel the world Shame. Hi, I'm Nettie Marnetta. And I'm Frisbee Moonsong. And if you've made it this far into the episode, then please consider subscribing to our Patreon. Not only is it the best way to support the show, you're also putting food in our mouths and you're winning the approval of Couch, our producer. And that's a pretty big deal. Yeah, he's got high standards. You'll also get access to Patreon-specific content, such as Behind the Break, a special segment where we talk more about Yu-Gi-Oh!, tell personal stories, and make inappropriate jokes while censoring none of it. I mean, it's what you could be listening to right now instead of this ad, right? So visit patreon.com slash shadowcastza. That's patreon.com forward slash shadowcastza and give us your money. And we are back with our regularly scheduled program. Mm-hmm. Welcome back to Shadowcast. I hope you enjoyed your break. Buy everything JC told you to buy. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I hope you had something to drink. Keep hydrated out there. We're going to continue with this interview. Robbie, do you have the next question for us? Oh, yeah. I've got the next question. So, um, uh, so you've been... you've. I think you've known now that you've been in the professional scene for quite some time. And... I I don't know how you see yourself in the community, but I think a lot of us know, like, if you mention Yu-Gi-Oh! Jesse Cotton is, like, a big name. I mean, a long pack and stuff, but you're, like, one that people would know. And what do you think would set you apart from, like, other people who are professionals in this game? No shade. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of it has come from networking for a long time. Uh, I think ever since I was, like, well, part of it is good luck, part of it's me trying, but uh, I'd always post on Facebook or, uh, and then the last couple of years, Twitter to try and yeah. mm. create a social presence, and I'd talk to everyone, be friendly, just try and get on everyone's good side, because you never know when you, it's a connection that could be you know, helpful to your, yourself, yeah. mm, exactly. or, or just a friendship, but either way, just don't make, not making enemies or being, being doing stupid shit like that. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I just met a lot of people that could eventually... Like help me get to the spot where I am now, right? So, uh, like I met Team Sam, uh, TS. He was less than ten thousand subs at the time, uh, the Toronto player. And uh, we, when he met me, I was also like, he was somewhat a YouTuber, but not really like nine thousand subs or whatever. And then I had like two ICS tops, so I was like getting better still. Like I wasn't pure scrub, but I was also still on the rise up. Uh, and we kind of like 
grew in each of our paths together and like that kind of helped both of us grow where i could be on his channel to help with competitive stuff and then obviously being on his channel pushed my notoriety out um i think that sets me apart in terms of notability from other players is i have a lot more that youtube presence in the casual side than they do because i'm very present in the competitive scene um in the terms of how well i actually do and then i'm very present in YouTube scene because I talked to all these YouTubers. I've uh, had like collaborations with them. Uh, now I am one as well, but I've been a lot more involved in that. Where a lot of the other pro players will stick within their own realm of of pro players and just want to play the game, which is fine. But um, it does limit kind of that notoriety, I guess we're saying. I mean, um, even from a pure numbers stat, like you look on Twitter, the pro players who are the biggest would be like me, Pac, Josh Schmidt, players who have like yeah. branched out into content creation and like created those connections. Yeah. Mm, even definitely. like a lot of a lot of the content creators that you spoke of, even now like um like Pac and you and, and Joshua Schmidt, like as soon as something crazy happens, they immediately the first ones to post about it, you know? Like for example when Joshua Schmidt uh Schmidt played his um his Sprite board where he played the that interesting nimbo package. Mm. With the Sunrock? Yeah, Nimble the sun, the sun, the sunfish. Sunfish, sunfish yeah, yeah. <laughs> Did you have any influence with that? What was your thought when that came out? Did I have any influence on it? No, I don't really talk to Josh. Okay. So, but what was your thought when? It um, came out? I did not like that deck, but it was whatever. Really, you weren't a fan. Yeah, Robbie was gushing. No, nah, I don't. <laughs> I don't like Sprite. Sprite just. It always feels to me like you hit the normal summon of the deck, and then you kind of just pass. You need yeah. starter. Yeah. Yeah. I actually prefer sword. Like I even I think it's it's better with the runic cards though. Yeah, the runic cards Yeah, make run, it really, runic really runic sprite is is nuts, yeah. Like I think even runic naturia is something to be like feared and watched for. Like I think that's a really good deck to consider yeah. at the moment. I think it's even a lot more fun to play as well. There is something about naturia that like whenever it pops up it just it's like whoa, okay, whoa, slow down. Whoa. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like <laughs> yeah. every every time I think about naturia I'm always like I cannot believe I'm losing to a sunflower right now. <laughs> like this is yeah, it, it it gets intense. But then one book of moon kills it though. Unless they have of course the big bad naturia beast, but still. Mm. Because mm -hmm. uh, I, I at least I enjoyed Sword Soul since it came out. I don't know if you actually, um, what deck you did you play branded in that format? Um, I played Sword Soul for a couple months until when did I stop playing Sword Soul? Um, probably when Despia came out. Oh yeah, because Despia was insanely well, good. This came out a couple months afterwards, yeah. So I had like I had a couple months of Sword Soul. But I wasn't playing a lot of Yu-Gi-Oh at that period. Um I did play the remote YCS in North America though. Yeah. With Sword Soul. Yeah, what made you stop? With Sword Soul? Oh, stop playing Yu-Gi-Oh for like you didn't play as much Yu-Gi-Oh back then. I just not find myself as motivated since I don't know. Mm. Um ever since COVID hit and even since then, I find myself playing a lot less. Um, it feels a lot more like a chore. Uh, is it? I can't really explain it. Like, I, it's one of the biggest problems for me right now is finding that drive to play more. Because without that, it's hard to compete at the highest level. Yeah. And then also have that like edge in content creation where I know more than others because if I'm not playing, then I won't have that edge. Um, I mean, I guess then going on this line, I think because you know, um, just just hearing you know how you're. 
how you're phrasing it and how you're talking about it, do you think that maybe uh, an, an exit might be on its way? I can't see myself exiting entirely because I still make content. Like, my life is Yu-Gi-Oh! at this point. All my closest friends are through Yu-Gi-Oh! Yeah. Um, I love traveling the world through Yu-Gi-Oh! I have sponsorships through competing in Yu-Gi-Oh! And I'm still doing well in the tournaments in Yu-Gi-Oh! Even if it's not, like, absolute maximum. Um, like, I, the top, I still got top 16 in the 250th. So, mm, yes. like, it wasn't that bad. Um, it wasn't bad at all. Right, cool. Um, what do you think is the drive that still keeps you playing? Like, besides your, your content and stuff? Like, is it still the love for the game? It's a mix. It's the friends. Oh, I want to see friends because I made them from all over the world and I wanted to see them. Yeah. Being able to travel as well is a big one. Um, like, hopefully going to Japan in August would be one so I can I'd stay longer to see the rest of the country. Nice. Uh, and then also from a financial perspective, right like my my income is through this game i mean i could just focus on selling i guess but i still want to do well but i don't want to just play like current format for fun like i used to like before i could grind low stakes matches and just enjoy myself but now i find i get bored and unmotivated extremely fast unless there's stakes in the line Mm. yeah that's for sure i think it's the higher stakes that make you like want it that much more Mm. Because I think that's what we've learned here. Because the the opportunity here for us is very low. So when it comes to something mm-hmm. like a nationals or regional regionals, it's cutthroat. True. You know. Yeah. And it's especially because of the lack of opportunities that we have. Yeah, our our big tournaments are are nuts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And also for YC, how many players do you guys get at a uh, your nationals? Um, I think our last nationals was pretty big, and we got like a hundred and ten players. Okay. So that's still not a lot, but yeah, it's, it's a lot by our standards. <laughs> by our standards, we're like, yay! Yeah, no, this isn't like a, a shot. This is general curiosity. Yeah, which is right. still, a genuine, genuine curiosity there. It's yeah, still like yeah. a decent amount of because we still get like a good seven rounds in and top cut, you know. Yeah. Which is which is still a lot of fun to be had, uh, but like compared to the world standards it's not <laughs> <laughs> yeah we're still we're still babies <laughs> but still any i think still anyone who can who can go like undefeated in those tournaments is still worth merit oh definitely yeah yeah, yeah. listen at the end of the day if you're it, it doesn't matter where your castle is if 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 you're king of the castle you're king of the castle you know what i mean yeah oh yeah that's for sure although we would love I, i'm sure there's a lot of people here like i i entered that um that remote duel, the North American YCS. That was oh god, with the time difference, that must have been terrible. Yeah, we yeah. so story time. We played through the night. Uh, uh, there's actually an episode. Yeah, I mean you have to. It's like nine hour time difference. <laughs> so we played through the night, right? With load shedding. So yeah, there's I don't this thing you, called load shedding here, you know which is all oh, right. Your load shedding is terrible. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> he's South African. He knows what load shedding is. <laughs> So, you gotta make me throw something yeah, my at you. <laughs> parents were just there for a wedding, so like they were telling me about it as well. Oh my god! Yeah, yeah it's it's terrible. It's not a good time. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, I I ended up playing in it, and we were like, it was me and another friend, and I I had to end up going to his house like at two o'clock mid, in the morning, like mid duel. <laughs> <laughs> it, like just between one of the rounds, I drove to his house just because of load shedding, and I think. I think I ended up making top 64. And yeah. There wasn't a top 64, but I did make top 64. <laughs> you were there. You were on the list. They didn't count you, but you were there. Yeah. <laughs> I think... I, think oh, I can't remember what you... I know you made top 32 in that tournament. 
Yeah, I lost immediately. I broke twice. That was uh, annoying for me. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. I was so close. I was, like, on the cusp of that top 32 spot. Mm. I was so sad. You get that. Yeah. Cause I had nine events like that before I got my first top, so... Oh, wow. It takes that time. Was, that was, I think, that was, like, probably my second YCS ever. And... Obviously, we've only had... It's not the same feeling, though, as a real YCS. Yeah. I mean, I'd love to urge you guys to go, but I know how uh, how much more inconvenient it is uh, from being in South Africa. Giving the chance, I would be there like a shot, you know? I yeah. would definitely... Because we've only gotten the chance to have remote to YCSs. I'm curious, how much has traveled to Australia? I figured that would have been the easiest one to go to. Yeah, it might take some looking into, but um, based on my... Granted, very old, very dusty, very archaic knowledge back in the aviation industry. Um, still, still a little pricey. Maybe not. Maybe not possible yeah. for for your most common but list. Like, but like far. Yeah, but like, no, you'd have to be dedicated, right? Yeah, but you can also make a trip out of it. You stay for like a week and do stuff besides the YCS. But yeah, but yeah. I mean, it's a chance to. Uh, boys and play Yu-Gi-Oh, compete and then also explore a new country yeah yeah it gives us definitely the opportunity which would be really really nice we're looking at some numbers now do you mind just converting that into us dollars quickly and then we can see what that just times 18 <laughs> times 18 and that's the us dollar the, the, even the exchange rate is bad that's the, that's the yeah the, the exchange rate honestly is is the biggest that's the big one of the biggest cripplers yeah the rand is, is garbage when as a, i remember as a kid it was like one to eight or something stupid and now it's yeah. way worse now it's one to yeah. 18 yeah, the Rand is dog shit. Yeah, you see, I think Jesse's onto something here. The, the, the trip to Australia is like around $1,000. $1,000? Yeah. Okay. That's pretty much the same it would be to Europe, though. That's still so much, but yeah, it is a lot. <laughs> True. Yeah, so you would have to like... That is rough. ...for a while for us to go. But I would, I would definitely, hopefully, because we're having our nationals at the end of, um, at the end of next month, mm. I believe. Yeah. So uh, we are told that we're getting a ticket. So we hopefully, if any of us get there, <laughs> we'll be we'll be sure to let you know. And if you're going, I don't know if you'll be going to the European champs though. I will not. It's in Europe, right? I will not be there. Alrighty. Yeah. So we'll. Yeah. So I will not be there. I have no reason to be at the European Championship. I cannot compete in it. Um, I I probably could with my South African citizenship, but I don't want to. Yeah travel way farther just uh yeah i could just stay in north america yeah, just to do it there no we'll def but we'll we'll keep you updated if any of us make it there <laughs> but if anything you would probably definitely hear it through the show yeah definitely <laughs> that's for sure <laughs> so we actually have um a lot of questions from yeah quite a few fan questions we, we posted on our on our twitter uh, yeah. that you're going to be on the show and we've gotten some questions from fans that they are going to ask you. <laughs> so we're going to be reading those out to you. So be warned, we have not read through these yet. So if anything is... I've, I've read through a couple. They're okay. Okay. <laughs> We're okay. good. We're good. I, I was just very concerned. So. We're all right. I'm just going to start. I'm going to start uh, right at the top of the list. Uh, so Nira asks... Uh, he's got a two-in-one question here. He asks, what's your take on heroes at the moment, and what's the best advice you'd give to break into the Yugi tuber industry and grow the channel to become a well-known name? What do I think of heroes? Um, I have never really had much of an affinity for the deck. I don't care for it. Like, 
other people are very passionate and enjoying that deck. For me, it's been a meh thing. I don't have a good relationship with it. Mm. So I've not been pushed to innovate it or um, try it that much, but just from watching people play it, it seems still relatively the same. Like, it's has some powerful yet fragile turn one plays, and then it's rather weak going second, relying a lot on non-engine cards, which ultimately, like, confines it to a rather tier two-ish, three-ish type of deck. The best end board on here is a nib token. <laughs> <laughs> Stop it, you're going to alienate all the hero listeners. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm going to get kicked off. <laughs> um, but yeah, the second part of his question was, um, uh, what's the best advice you could give for a YouTuber? To Though I believe he, industry? yeah, we, we, that's a question yeah. that we've already answered. Yeah, we yeah. have, I guess, yeah. We, we do. I don't really have great advice for it anyways, because I'm still growing myself. Any like thing I do have, it's from my connections with like Sam right now and my, my yeah. notoriety for competing. Because I started on YouTube um, for quite some time. I'm still growing on my YouTube channel. Mm. Uh, still could do some growing. So, Jesse, you and I will have a match sometime soon. <laughs> sure. <laughs> awesome. Yes. You say it and it will, and it will happen. <laughs> but, yeah, that will, be, that will be really cool. But, like, I understand how difficult it is to grow uh, in the YouTube or YouTube industry, especially here in South Africa. Oh, know? yeah, it's tough. Because that's where most of our market is, at least. Mm. And we try to do that, and it's hard to cater to the rest of the world, I guess. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, another question is, how do you keep the mental in a long tournament? Uh, this is asked by Raccoon at Raccoon Gore. Um, sorry, one second. I've got a message after Spawn, too, real quick. No worries. The show has been placed on hold. Please wait. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, no worries. No worries. <laughs> we play. We play the Yu-Gi-Oh theme song music in the background. <laughs> <laughs> now let's 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 really confuse them. Let's like let's just bump out some Phil Collins for no reason. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's great. I love it. I love I love these little jokes where it's like, oh, the Patreon listeners get it. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. You got to pay for these jokes. We got to pay. Yeah. We got to pay. <laughs> I like how we got so many questions from these people there. Yeah. Like I, I so most of these are actually from South African listeners. Yes, if not all of them. I mean, our, our South African listeners are the most active. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, our 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 more. Okay. Uh, sorry, I'm back. No, <laughs> no worries. So yeah, uh, that was the question from Raccoon. How do you keep the mental in long tournaments? I'm guessing mental mental um, yeah, stamina. stamina. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, your stamina. Um, you just have to put yourself in an environment as much as possible and build build it like anything like running or anything. Uh, it takes getting used to and acclimating to it more. So there isn't a trick to just doing it. I mean, the best trick is keep hydrated, keep uh, energized, like food, um, like obvious stuff. Like you you wouldn't eat a giant ball of pasta before running. You're like, goddamn breaking your stomach. Yeah. So. <laughs> Like being healthy as possible, and then also just getting used to it by being in that spot as often as possible. 
Yeah. I mean, this is a very cerebral game, guys. And you, uh, the, the body-mind connection is very important. Keep your body healthy, keep your mind healthy. Yeah. You know, it goes a very long way when it comes to, uh, you know, going 10 and more rounds, yeah. you know, of just mind games. I remember actually when I was playing mm-hmm. in the Nationals, because um, we only had that like hour break in between the rounds. Yeah. But we started at around like 9.30, 10 a.m., and we actually only ended, because I so I had made it to the finals. We had only ended the finals at about eleven, eleven thirty, mm. and I don't think I kept myself as hydrated as I should the whole day. And I remember standing up after that, I felt like I was just about to pass out. Mm. Like this game is so draining. Yeah, that was a risky game you, you know? were playing, sir. <laughs> <laughs> I was surprised I didn't misplay, but like the game was so draining, you know. And mm. you get to that point, and you're so. Um, dehydrated and tired that you almost like it, I could like there was a point where there was blurred vision Oof. so it's I, I can understand how this game can get it's it Yu-Gi-Oh is a sport guys it's a sport <laughs> yeah hydration is important <laughs> yeah I don't know if I can call it that <laughs> <laughs> Jesse's not on my side <laughs> like not at all not at all <laughs> you not keep I'd love to call it a sport, but I know damn well it's not a sport. (laughs) I'm so glad. I feel feel justified now because I tell you all the time. I'm like, Robbie, calm down. And you're like, no, no, I want my gold medal. (laughs) (laughs) Now Jesse's not on my side. I'm just like, cool. (laughs) (laughs) Y'all can get me to agree with everything. Like, (laughs) (laughs) That's fair. Um, all right, so so Eric Knight at Future Knight zero one asks, "Have you ever played a trap deck, and if so, which one and why?" Yes, I have. So my first ever YCS top was actually the trap deck. It was Burning Abyss. Um, back when I played like twenty trap cards and like twelve monsters. Yeah, that right. was the first deck I felt like untouchable with, and I was at the top, top of like the game. Um, where I went like undefeated in Swiss with YCS Toronto and then got third only because I made a bad read, which was on me. Um, but I wanted to play it because I felt like it was the best deck. I do enjoy trap decks sometimes, but not when they're playing Floodgates. If you take a look at my list, because it's on YouTube, it's on like Team Sam's channel from eight years ago, but you'll see there's like zero Floodgates in the deck because traps are fun when they're creating interaction points, but when it's flip up skill drain. Like, there can be only one. That's not interesting. That I don't enjoy. So, if there's ever a good trap deck again that doesn't, like, rely on floodgates, then I, and it's actually, actually good, uh, I'd play it. Like, I don't dislike those decks. Speaking of that, what did you think about the new Altergeist support that came out today? I don't know if you saw it. No, I haven't seen any of the new stuff today. I have been uh, working pretty much since this morning. I look forward to seeing your thing. Because I, I played, like, I was like a budget player for a while. And I played Altergeist for some time. And to see that deck get... so Because that's what I taught uh, the people that I introduced yeah. to Yu-Gi-Oh! On. Yeah, I, was I, was also, like, I also started on Altergeist. Because I liked how it was a trap deck, but it was a very interactive trap deck. It was never like, oh, Floodgate, you know? Like it can be, but... It doesn't have to be, yeah. Yeah. And uh, what would your perspective... What do you think, at least right now, would be your favorite trap deck of all time? Or from, like, this time, I would say. Well, that, that Burning Abyss deck, for sure. Is it? Mm. Burning Wait, what you, from this time? Like, this yeah, meta? This time, like, this meta. Like, if you had to choose between, like, Eldritch, Altergeist, Trap Tricks, or Labyrinth. 
I don't really like any. Oh, Labyrinth, actually. <laughs> oh, yeah, Labyrinth. Yeah, Labyrinth, Labyrinth makes sense. Yeah. 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 I like I like the consistency. You can have a lot of like ways to interact with the opponent that isn't fully like floodgate based. Yeah. Yeah, that's for sure. Yeah, and the way they can reset that D barrier is insane. Okay, so uh, the next question, and this one is coming for Pranesh, who I think I've heard you've spoken to on Twitter with before. He's like a really good player here in South Africa. And then Byron Lilford, um, what are your thoughts on Purely for this upcoming format? Um, so obviously it seems like a really strong choice. The biggest thing that always can like has me like a little almost weirded out is in Japan a lot of them are shooting to just not go for hand traps. Yeah. Mm. Which means that like if you just get kaiju'd on your expertly noir, yeah, you'll have like ten cards in hand, but with no hand traps, you could just die that turn. Like you don't actually have a defensive tool on maxi, it doesn't count because you can still just die. Yeah. So I think that's risky. And at the same time, playing just hand traps, I don't know if you can play enough in Really, for it to be good, uh, and you don't want to discard cards because like your hand size is annoying. Yeah. So I'm curious to see how much of a difference that like makes in the meta because it, it does feel a little weirder now. Your one, I'm just not sure it'll be like as as powerful as people are uh, maybe predicting it will be. Yeah, I do like at least from my testing because I bought the deck because I think it's like Eevee from Pokemon and I think it's so cute. But <laughs> I bought it because like I. I from testing, it doesn't feel as strong. And even, like, when I tested Sword Soul against it, like, Sword Soul just breaks the deck and kills it so easily. And it makes it almost feel like that the deck doesn't have as... Like, even though they, they're really consistent, yes, they don't have that high of a ceiling. Mm. Yeah. You know, and that's that's at least the concern for me. Definitely some interesting insights here for future purely players. Okay, I'm going to go on to the next question here. This comes from at Isafrodi. I think I'm saying that right, Isafrodi. Mm -hmm. He asks, thoughts on Mana Dome, if they, will be ever be, if they will be ever be played again and do well internationally, or if they are more likely to see success on a smaller scale, like I'm guessing locals or, or uh, such. Or South African events. Or just, yeah. <laughs> I think you cut out for a second because I didn't, I didn't oh. hear the subject of it. Oh, um, so essentially the, the person's asking, um, what are your thoughts on Manodome and would they ever have any international success? Oh, Manodome. Um, honestly, I haven't looked into it that much. I'm not well equipped to answer. Sorry. That's just the truth. I don't want to just start <laughs> yeah. making up bullshit. Yeah, it makes sense. <laughs> I actually, I know I do the same thing. Like sometimes I don't even look at the cards until like they're like here. Yeah. Like right on our doorstep. Exactly. I Same. Uh, <laughs> so that's at least from... Now, we have another one from Byron Delford. Um, what are your thoughts on pros and cons of the TCG and OCG having different ban lists, release dates, and formats? And he wants to know whether you think it would be better for the game to have a unified format. I think that's a great question. They should be unified because it makes... This world's a pain in the ass, but <laughs> do you think I think it's too much of a logistics issue at this point. Yeah. yeah. Do you think? Um, I'm not a fan of it. I mean, that's just it. 
Oh, F Maxi. Cannot stand Maxi. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's true. Clusterfuck. Uh, all because of Maxi. So. You can, you, yeah, you can drop all the F bombs you want. Don't worry. <laughs> I like how our producer just looked at us. Ah, uh, like, you guys can. <laughs> you'll, you'll, you can change an edit. You can throw the bleeping sounds. Yeah, exactly. yeah. <laughs> yeah, fix it in post. <laughs> that's our motto at this point. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Um, is that all the questions we have? No, uh, Baron Ulfit has one more. Um, he wanted to right. say uh, tips for... Sorry, Bra- uh, Baron Ulfit is asking tips for best ways to playtest. Um, IRL versus Dueling versus Edo Pro or other simulators. And then he also asks when it comes okay, to... Okay, don't do Edo Pro. <laughs> sorry, yeah. Definitely. Continue, I guess. <laughs> I feel so cold out. <laughs> Because I only do Edo Pro. <laughs> <laughs> it holds your hand and, st- and it prevents you from growing as dullest. Don't be afraid to lose. Don't be afraid to to, to get obliterated because that will happen in this process of learning. Um, and dueling book, playing dueling book doesn't hold your hand. Like yeah. you have to learn rulings. You have to learn interactions. You have to learn to make your triggers the right spot. Um, you have to. It simulates real life dueling as much as possible. So if your goal is to play, play Master Duel Worlds or whatever, then no, fine, play Master Duel. But if your goal is to compete in the TCG, you want to emulate the TCG as much as possible. Yeah. And uh, if you're doing an online simulator, Dueling Book is the one to emulate it the most. So yeah. if your goal is to do well in the TCG and you want to practice the TCG, but you don't want to actually physically play the cards because you either can't or. Uh, well, because you can't or. Uh, it's just too inconvenient. Then Dueling Book is the best way to do it because it, 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 it's just way more flexible. Um, also, you can take back plays because um, sharking and being strict in testing is reasonable, right? Because you want to st- st- like step back for a second and think, what is the purpose of what I'm doing right now? Purpose yeah. is to test, to learn. Wait, so why do I care if I win? It's it's I don't. So let's go back and figure out the most optimal play and learn from the situation. Yeah. Right, so you can op- so that your your goal is to learn. Um, focus on optimizing learning, not just optimizing winning. Um, and then as for from there, if you'd rather duel in life, if you'd rather do theory, if you'd rather play a dueling book, uh, it's also a matter of you learning yourself how well you learn. Um, for me, I I can learn from watching people and theory um, almost as well as playing it. I can almost never touch a card, which is why in Cash Tira, I played the deck three, four, five games before the YCS, my first time playing it, and I did fine. Because I watched it a bunch when I was at events. And my theory is strong enough, and this is particular to me because it's a depends per person. But I was able to grasp it enough to the point that I could do well at a YCS with it. It's interesting. Um, yeah, but that requires like it's like learning styles. So it's different for everybody. Mm. Yeah, we were talking about that on our previous episode actually um, about because I I just I had not played uh, Branded Despia before. And I picked it up in tournament for, in a tournament. Yeah, because yeah. you have. <laughs> I have I have played it, but just for the like once or twice, you know, in practicing. But also when when you were coaching me on it, yeah, you played it yeah, quite a few times. I, I played yeah, played it a few times to teach you on. Why? It, what I've is never... with this? I don't understand this narrative where you're trying to pretend like you've never touched a branded deck. I have deck. touched like I'm meaning like in competitive setting. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I'm not trying... Maybe my 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 speech is coming out wrong, and I'm I'm not even paid. I know uh, I caught you in 4K. I caught you. <laughs> anyway, I have played very little branded Despia. Okay, sure. 
Yes, Frisbee. We literally had this conversation <laughs> on the... Now you choose this episode to gruel me. No, no, I want... Because the, the world must hear you. Oh, the uh, world no, must hear you, no, Cap. The last... Uh, how am I capping? <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Sorry, no, finish your thought. Finish no, your thought. Finish your the thought. the thought is over. Okay. <laughs> but no, um, I, uh, I... So... Yeah, I'd, I'd only played like a few games of Branded Despia. And I get what you mean by it's... I, I mostly play by watching other people play. Because that's kind of like... It's easier to see the trends as well, you know? And figuring out what most people are going to do and how to play around that. And mm. at least that's that's from my experience in terms of playing the deck and also playing against it. You know, watching people is probably such a good way to do it. Like, that's what I tell people as well, is just watch a YCS or something. Oh, yeah. Those go such a long way. Yeah. I think when I was when I was still coming into it and I was playing Altergeist, um, learning from YCSs was, like, crucial. I learned a lot of, like, different interaction points mm-hmm. via watching yeah. old YCS streams. Yeah. So, uh, we have another question from Henko, who asks, Do you have a favorite or unforgettable YCS moment? That's a great question. You stole that right out of my head. <laughs> um, uh, probably the one that stands out the most to me was the Utopia Double on stream. This was technically a WCQ, not a YCS, uh, but I'm sure it counts. Um, yeah, the, the Utopia double on stream, or it was Utopia double on the next game. I bricked, we got a full house off for five, mm-hmm. and then drew a gauge off the top, and then uh, Utopia doubled again. <laughs> <laughs> that must have been the best. <laughs> I remember. I remember people going, "What, what deck was that with again? Was that with Sky Striker?" Yeah, it was with Sky Striker. Yeah, I, I was like a Mystic Mind Sky Striker. Yeah. Because I remember that wasn't, like, much heard of until, uh, like, that moment that people decided to play it. Because people were like, oh, yeah, Sky Strikers, uh, the Rays are level 4. <laughs> 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 like, oh, just Utopia double attack for 10k, and you win. <laughs> I'll show you the video. It's afterwards. like, ooh, what does this button do? <laughs> we'll go look. We, we're going to go search for that video after the show. <laughs> Sounds great. Let's do it. Uh, but we have we have reached our time, actually. Mm. Um, was that I think that was our last fan question yeah from yes what I, from what I've seen that was our last fan question good job Shadowcast listeners <laughs> perfect timing because <laughs> because we our, our timer just ran out um, this is going to be the end of our show mm. uh, Jesse thank you so much for coming on again um, this this really is a dream come true uh, for us as podcast hosts and just Yu-Gi-Oh uh, players in general we don't really get to interact very much with uh, duelists outside uh, of South Africa. So this is the. I feel like this is a, a a really important episode, not just for us but our listeners as well. Yeah. And yeah, we just on on behalf of them and ourselves as well. Thank you so much for coming onto the show. And uh, no problem. Thank you for having me. And I hope one day our paths can cross IRL. I know uh, South Africa's isolated, but maybe one day it can happen. One hundred percent. Yes. Because, like, I think this is also a po- important stepping stone, like for South Africa, because we're not really well known. Some people are like, "Wait, there's Yu-Gi-Oh in South Africa," you know. <laughs> so I think this is important for us to get like connected with the rest of the world. Cause yes. As Yu-Gi-Oh players, no matter where we are, we're a community. You know? Yeah. And 
whether we're capping or we're talking crap or, <laughs> or we're just or frisbee's or just opening his mouth <laughs> yeah, or we're just or we're just enjoying the game together kind of thing you know yeah. we all a big community that just wants to help each other out for the love of the game yes and i think this is a nice milestone or stepping stone for just our country itself and then everyone around us who's connected you've got a lot of big aspirations robbie yeah, you, have no idea. <laughs> you swing so big yeah oh my <laughs> <laughs> like that was great i was just gonna say outside different inside same same but like you're <laughs> But no, that's great. Guys, that's going to be our show for this week. Thank um, you so much. For I want to say one thing, actually. Jesse, do you have any like final thoughts or any shout-outs you want to give? Oh, good point. For the yes. end of the show. All right. I think what we'll have to do is... Um, we'll have to get a separate recording maybe from Jesse for a, uh, a final shout-out. Yeah. Yeah, let's just... Um, if you don't mind, Jesse, let's just get your final... If you could send us just a voice recording of your of your last final shout-out. Or uh, or even send it to us via text. <laughs> it's fine. We'll figure it out. Um, yeah, we'll edit it into the show, if that's okay. Sounds good. All right. Well, that's going to be our show for the week. For the last time. <laughs> if, 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 if Robbie doesn't have anything else to add. No, I'm not going to be that guy today. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening, guys. Um, you know, this... I, I say, I've said it before on the show, and I'll say it again. This really is like, you know, we make a podcast in a world where visual media exists, <laughs> in a world where radio has been dying for years. Um, but it's because we're passionate about this, and, and, and we love this. And to all our listeners who listen every week, you know, you really make, you really make this worth our whiles even more. Um, thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for giving us this opportunity. And uh, we're going to be giving, we, we love this and we're going to be bringing you more content like this uh, on the regular. We're definitely looking at having some more interesting guests, both local and across the pond. Mm -hmm. Look forward to big things from Shadowcast, guys. Follow us on Twitter at ShadowcastZA. It's the best way to get in contact with us outside of Patreon. And if you want to support the show, then Patreon is the best way to support us. Um, we have... Uh, more interesting developments going on. Follow us on Patreon for more. And um, yeah, that's been the show for this week. I have been Neto Marnetta. I have been Frisbee Moonsong. And we had Jesse Cotton on the show, guys. Woo! <laughs> we'll get the Jesse Cotton statement. <laughs> yeah, we we'll get it, it after. Thank you so much for listening, guys. Alrighty. Goodbye. Bye. Thank you guys so much for having me on. Very happy to be on this episode of Shadowcast. And uh, as these guys were saying, you could be their first Patreon. So that uh, sounds like a great opportunity. So I urge you guys to go support these great hosts. Anyways, shout outs very much to my sponsor, Luxury Gaming, as well as all my friends and family who have supported me very much in my Yu-Gi-Oh! career so far. It is been absolutely great and i hope there's much more to come hopefully we will see each other in real life at some point so uh see you guys then peace <laughs>